Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Brothers and sisters, let me introduce to you our fourth and final topic for today, which is titled About Hizb Tahrir, Our Work and Vision. Inshallah, our brother, Dr. Abdul Rafi' will provide details about what the Hizb is, what our goals are, what our visions are, our work and our method, and our contributions to this Ummah in the past, in the present, and inshallah in the future. Inshallah. Brother Rafi. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. As-salatu wa salam ala al-imam al-huda wal-muttaqeen. Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's always difficult following up with Haytham, mashallah. Jazakallah khairan. A big task to accomplish. Zakallah khair for the audience who have uh, come to this event and who have stayed for such a long time. Inshallah, this will come as hasanat in, 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 on the Day of Judgment, inshallah, for everyone who's attended. Jazakumullahu khairan. Can you guys hear me well now? Is it better? Okay, tayyib, inshallah. Hizb al-Tahrir is a global Islamic political party whose ideology is Islam. And its singular goal is to re-establish the Islamic Khilafah, to resume the Islamic way of life. From its very inception in 1953 in Al-Quds, Jerusalem, its ideas and the methodology of achieving this goal has been rooted in the detailed understanding of Islam, understanding of its Aqidah and its systems. At a time in the Muslim world, especially in the Middle East, when it was immersed in nationalism, especially pan-Arabism or Arab nationalism, when it was mesmerized with socialism, and it was engaged in regional, secular, anti-colonialism, a ray of light emerged with the establishment of Hizb tahrir by Sheikh Taqiyuddin Nabhani. It is a ray of light with crystal clear ideas, deep thoughts, and a conviction that it has the precise solution for the ummah and the methodology to achieve this. Hizb al-Tahrir, the party of liberation, was ahead of its time. Its ideas were seen as being novel during an era when liberation was limited to freeing land from colonial occupiers. His Tahrir articulated that true liberation, that true liberation is of the mind. It is liberation from the concepts, the ideas, the values, and the way of life with its system that the occupier opposed, imposed upon the ummah. His Tahrir asserted 
that the true liberation was to rid the mind of the intellectual leadership, al-qiyadatul fikriya of the West, that is, the separation of religion from life, separation of the deen from life's affairs. It said, true liberation is to uproot the aqidah of secularism and replace it with the conviction in the spiritual and political aqidah of Islam. Hizb al-Tahrir, it emphasized that true liberation cannot be completed until the systems of kufr, capitalism or communism, were dismantled and the system of Islam is implemented. Hence, it spoke of nahda, it spoke of revival of the mind, and it said, man revives according to what he carries of thought about the universe, man and life, and about their relationship as a whole with what preceded this life and what will come after it. Hence, in order to revive man, it is necessary to radically and comprehensively change his current thought and generate another thought for him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah does not change a circumstances of a people until they have changed what is within themselves. And we explained this ayah, it is about changing the minds, changing the thoughts, the emotions, and the system by which we are governed. Hizb tahrir clearly articulated Islam as a way of life, with an aqidah, with a complete fikr, with a complete thought, a political and a spiritual aqidah from which a system emanates. A system that was divinely inspired to our beloved Prophet It categorically rejected the secularization of this deen. From its very inception in 1953, Hizb tahrir formulated the constitution of this system of Islam, the Khilafah. Some of the articles which were just read out by Haytham. Hizb tahrir detailed out and explained the structure, the administration, and the various systems of the Khilafah, like the economic system and the ruling structure, like, we, you, like what you just have listened to. It has detailed materials on how the Khilafah will function. A blueprint for its vision, a glimpse of what you heard today. This is not academic material. This is not academic material to expound on the divine nature of Islam. And nor is it academic material to defend Islam from its critics. And nor is it philosophical ruminations of political theorists. Rather, these thoughts that you have heard today, these thoughts that we have presented and detailed out in our books, are materials that we have formulated for the practical, for the practical resumption of the Islamic way of life. It is for the re-establishment of the Khilafah. It is for the practical solutions to our problems today. These ideas are a, for a new vision, a new future, a vision for a new world, a new order, a new Khilafah Rashida. Hence, to know about Hizb al-Tahrir, I'll go over its scholarship, its sacrifices that it has made, its principles, its politics, and finally, its vision and its global work. 
In terms of its scholarship, we take a principled stand, a principled position to not advertise titles or credentials of our scholarship. Now this is to elevate the ummah, to look beyond titles and concentrate on the content, the Quran and the Sunnah. Now one may contend that this is what everyone wants. One may contend that this is what all scholars intend. But as some may have realized, that the war on Islam seeks to reform Islam to fit secular liberal values. Unless and until it ha we have clear thoughts and a clear vision, scholars and average Muslims are not immune to secular influences and are targets of Western interference in our deen. So scholarship and titles have been utilized as part of an agenda to reform Islam. Hizb al-Tahrir's work to re-establish the Khilafah, it requires scholarship, which it does not lack. Now any serious attempts to review our material only amplifies this fact. Nonetheless, a principled position to not advertise titles is a tough hill to climb. But the long-term outcomes of elevating Muslim thought is worth the struggle. Nonetheless, I will briefly speak about some of the leaders of the Hizb as an example. Hizb al-Tahrir was founded by Sheikh Taqiyun al-Namhani together with multiple other fuqaha, most of whom were graduates from Al-Hazar University. Founding members include Nimr al-Masri, Dawood Hamdan, uh, Ghanim Abdu, Sheikh Ahmed Da'ur, Sheikh Abdul Qadim Zaloum, and among other fuqaha. Sheikh Taqi was born in 1911 in Ijzim, a few miles from Haifa. He came from a scholarly family. His father, Sheikh Ibrahim, was a jurist and a teacher in Sharia, and his mother, Taqiya, was a memorizer of hadith. His maternal grandfather, Sheikh Yusuf al-Nabhani, was a well-known figure in the Uthmani Khilafah and was a Qadi in the Ottoman courts. Sheikh Taqi became Hafiz al-Quran at a very young age. In 1928, he went to Egypt to study where he was simultaneously enrolled in Al-Hazar University and Darul Uloom. He graduated from both those universities in 1932, at the top of his class with four degrees. Al-Hazar High School Certificate, a degree in Sharia, a degree in Arabic and, and literature, and Ijaza to be a Qadi in Sharia. Now by all accounts, from his teachers and his co colleagues, Sheikh Taqi was a genius who had depth in his thinking strength in his arguments, and had a strong personality. Prior to him forming Hizb al-Tahrir, he was a Qadi in Jerusalem. Sheikh Taqiyuddin Nabhani, he ordered multiple books, articles, political analysis, fatawa on a wide range of issues. Similarly, another example, our second Amir, Sheikh Abdul Qadim Zaloum, came from a religious family as well. He graduated from Al-Azhar and obtained Shahadat Al-Alamiyah and specialized in judiciary, which is equivalent to a PhD in our times. He was a faqih and he wrote several books, including the funds in the Khilafah state, some of its contents you heard today. The third and current Amir, Sheikh Atta Abu Rashta, initially he grew up and studied in a refugee camp in Hebron and eventually graduated as a civil engineer from Cairo University in Egypt. He was the first spokesperson of Hizb al-Tahrir and was regularly arrested by the Jordanian government. His book, Taisir fi Usul al-Tafsir, and regular question and answers on numerous issues show his depth in his scholarship. 
the book Tafsir comprises of treaties on the principles of Tafsir followed by their application through the Tafsir of Surah Al-Baqarah. He wrote this book while being in prison in Jordan. Moving on. Hizbut Tahrir has shed blood and tears for its ideas and its goal to re-establish the Khilafah. From the very beginning in 1953, it has been persecuted across the Muslim world and it has been banned. Its members continue to be harassed, continue to be kept under surveillance, deported, jailed, tortured, and even killed. All of this despite it being a completely non-violent political group. In 1953, after the official announcement of its formation, the founding members were arrested. They were asked to abandon their call and they were bribed. And of course, they did not accept. The Hizr was banned right away, while other movements were allowed to operate because they held a pragmatic approach towards the Jordanian government at that time. Laws were passed to prevent Hizb tahrir activities, and, and throughout the 1950s and 60s, members of the Hizb were arrested on a regular basis. Just to illustrate this point, many of the Shabab would bring their backpacks packed with their pajamas along with a copy of the speech that they, were, they would give either at the massages or universities or on the streets because they knew very well right after they would be picked up by the authorities. Abdul Ghani al-Mullah was the first member of Hizb al-Tahrir to be killed under torture by the Iraqi Baathists Iraqi in 1963. Sheikh Abdul Aziz al-Badri, a prominent past member and well-known scholar, was tortured and killed in 1969 by the Iraqi Ba'ath Party. Sheikh Taqiyuddin Nabhani himself was arrested and tortured by the Iraqi government in 1972. For three months, he was given a spoonful of food a day. In 1980, Muhammad Mustafa Ramadan was assassinated by Gaddafi outside Regent Park Mosque in London. Gaddafi, he carried out a personal crusade against Hizb al-Tahrir. In 1983, he murdered 13 members. They were hanged in universities, in schools, in front of their teachers, in front of their families and the other students. One of them, one of them, subhanAllah, he, he was brought down, still alive. They hung him a second time, and they tied his body to the back of a car and drove it around town in full view of his family. Muhammad Muhattab Hafif, after being hanged, the regime's supporters continued to beat his lifeless body. In April of 2012, a commemoration for those killed 30 years ago was held in the University of Tripoli with a courtyard where they were executed, renamed as the martyr Muhammad Muhattab Hafif. In 1984, Saddam Hussein executed 60 members of the party, including several military officers. In 1999, Farhad Usmanov was killed by Islam Karimov in Uzbekistan. Islam Karimov, he, his brutality against the Hizb or against anyone who calls for Islam is, of, uh, is without limits. Some of the members of the Hizb have been boiled alive because of what they carry. For example, even women are not spared in Uzbekistan. For example, Musharraf Usmanova, the wife of Farhad, even too, she was arrested. SubhanAllah, she got remarried, and her other second husband, Ismail Hudayb Bardiev, he too was tortured and killed in 2002. In 2005, in Andijan, a city in Uzbekistan, over 
500 to 700 Muslims, men, women, and children were executed, were massacred by Islam Karimov, many of whom were dava carriers of the Hizb. By 2020 alone, by 2020, approximately, by 2010, sorry, by 2010 alone, approximately 8,000 members of the Hizb have been imprisoned in Uzbekistan. In 2012, Naveed Bhatt, the spokesperson of Hizb Tahrir in Pakistan, was kidnapped in broad daylight, and his whereabouts and his condition is still unknown. Additionally, just these past 20 years, just these past 20 years, the members of the Hizb have been arrested in Tunisia, Egypt, Tanzania, Yemen, Pakistan, uh, Palestine, Lebanon, Jordan, Syria, Kuwait, Turkey, Bangladesh, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Russia, and Crimea. They are handed out lengthy sentences, especially in the Central Asian republics and in Russia. These are just a few examples of the sacrifices the men and the women of Hizb tahrir have made for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the re-establishment of the Khilafah. They are part of this Ummah, an Ummah that suffers together for the cause of Islam. Their crime, their crime is nothing but to speak the word of Haqq against these tyrant rulers and call for the application of Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raise their ranks. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raise their ranks in the Akhirah, ease their persecution. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala return them, return these imprisoned back to their families. And among the shuhada, among the killed, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raise them as among the shuhada, insha'Allah. The work for revival, the work for revival and the re-establishment of the Khilafah is political work, which is guided by Islam. Political acuity is to have a clear thought, a viewpoint, an ideological perspective, sharpness in thinking, understanding local and global politics, and understanding the nature of society. Without these qualities, movements will fail and play into the hands of its enemies and will be unable to tread the path for revival. What we say is that there is a campaign. There is a campaign to alienate the Muslims from politics. It has reached to an extent that depicting siyasa, depicting politics, is, as contra is contradictory to the greatness in the spirituality of Islam. Therefore, what we say is that, therefore, the ummah has to understand. It has to understand that there is, a, there is the secret behind the war against Islam, the war that is fought by the Western states and their puppet rulers against Islamic groups who are working sincerely for the revival of the ummah. Therefore, it is necessary. It is necessary to culture the ummah with the Islamic culture and to continually inject, inject her with the Islamic political thoughts and rules and explain how these thoughts and rules emanate from the Islamic Aqeedah. It is also necessary to concentrate this culture from its spiritual aspect in its capacity as commands and prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To this end, the Hizb, to this end, the Hizb has constantly it has constantly demonstrated its accurate understanding of global politics. And it has astuteness in its political thinking in general. 
to illustrate this point, I will go over a few examples to demonstrate this issue of having political awareness for any group that is involved in the revival of this ummah. In the 1950s, when the whole of Middle East was gripped by pan-Arabism and enamored by Gamal Abdul Nasser, the so-called liberator of the Arab, the Hizb said that he was nothing but an American agent. At this time, this was unimaginable. People did not want to accept this idea. The Hizb suffered a lot due to our strong and unpopular, uncompromising political stand. Members of the party were not only persecuted by the authorities, but also the general public at the time. Furthermore, we said that the formation of the United Arab Republic between Egypt and Syria was part of the U.S. plans in the region, while the Arab Union between Jordan and, and Iraq was Britain's attempts to keep its control. Decades later, decades later, our position on this issue has been proven to be accurate. Another example, in July of 1966, we warned that the West Bank will be given under the Zionist, Zionist entities control and normalizations of the relationships that will take place between Jordan and Palestine. Jordan, sorry, between, Jordan, between Israel and Jordan. A delegation of, from the Hezab was sent to the Jordanian Prime Minister at the time, uh, Wasfi Al-Tal, against, uh, against such a move. He rejected this allegation and said that such an event will never happen while he is Prime Minister. The next year, in June of 1967, during the Six-Day War, this is exactly what happened. We duly declared King Hussein as a traitor, and of course, arrests duly followed. Similarly, we held Khomeini to account, reviewed his constitution, and in 1979 said that the revolution was backed by the United States. And of course, at that time, this was unbelievable. Many people, including other Islamic movements at the time, were completely supportive or uncritical of Khomeini and the Iranian revolution. Even now, we continue to say that Iran is an agent of the so-called Great Satan America. This has been proven and has been revealed with recent documentation that were published that showed back and forth communication between Khomeini and the CIA. Simply put, there is no conflict between Iran and America. Even on this, decades later, our position has been proven to be accurate. In 1999, General Pervez Musharraf came to power in Pakistan. The majority of the public and other Islamic movements supported the coup. However, we clearly stated that he was an American agent with plans to end the resistance movements in Kashmir and allow India to consolidate its grip on Kashmir. Musharraf was a willing agent in the, and participant on, in, in the war on terror and American plans in the region. 20 years later, 20 years later, in 2019, Kashmir finally came under complete control of India with the tacit acceptance of Pakistan confirming our understanding of the political situation. Even during the Syrian uprising, we reaffirmed our position that Bashar al-Assad was nothing but an American agent, and the US is the primary player in this, in this conflict that brought Russia, Iran, Turkey, the Kurdish militia, and ISIS to thwart this revolution. Another example. In 1996 and 97, we published two books, The American Campaign to Suppress Islam and the Dangerous, and Dangerous Concepts. In these books, we explain terms like terrorism, 
freedom, interfaith, pluralism, and so on, as ideas in the, as, as ideas in the war against Islam, back in 96-97. We said, quote, the American campaign aims to destroy Islam by making Muslims reject their aqidah and embrace the creed of secularism and to take capitalism as their new deen for, uh, for the basis of their thinking, which means to keep Islam completely away from our lives, says that nothing remains of it other than clerical rituals conducted in places of worship. And he further said that the clearest proof of this fact is that America, while simultaneously campaigns to make capitalism universal, has initiated a campaign to fight Islam either by labeling those adherents to Islam as terrorists, or by forcing the corrupt Muslim rulers in the Muslim lands to oppress those who are working faithfully for the revival of the Ummah. In addition, America seeks to distort the, the fundamental concepts of Islam with the help of these agents and their cronies. This is exactly what we see today with the war on terror, rather the war on Islam. Yet again, our ideas and political opinions have been proven to be accurate. Finally, in December of last year, 2021, prior to the war starting between Russia and Ukraine, we said, Russia, quote, Russia is dragging itself into a crisis and America can provoke Russia so that Russia has no room or choice but to invade Ukraine where it will get stuck in the Ukrainian mud and gets in trouble with Europe. Since Ukraine is not a member state of Europe, it will not, America will not come to its aid militarily, but just apply some sanctions. If Russia makes a mistake and invades Ukraine, it will provide America with all the justification it needs for subjugating the European countries and bringing them under its cloak. Under the pretext, under the pretext of standing against, uh, standing against, Russia, uh, against Russia's aggressiveness. There is another angle that Russia does not see. With increased American pressure on Russia, and in the event of its invasion in Ukraine, America will have a new tool to dismantle the emerging alliance between Russia and China. If America decides to implicate Russia, and push it to war in Ukraine, then Russia will have fallen and been entrapped in its plan." End quote. Much of what I have said today, much of what we have said today on this particular issue has come to pass. All these things, all what I have described as, as examples, are examples that describe the political acuity that the Hezb carries. It, the, it describes the awareness that it has of global siyasa, and hence, it possesses statesmen. It possesses statesmen that will lead the second Khilafah, insha'Allah. <laughs> Moving on to Hizb tahrirs principles. Hizb tahrir has been truthful and brave in its politics, despite the oppression meted out against it across the world. Since its inception, since its inception, it has stood on principles, unwavering, uncompromising. Pragmatic politics, political expediency, maslaha, we see this a lot here, is not part of its DNA. Despite the harassments, 
despite the arrest, the torture, the execution of its members and, its, and, the, mem and the families of its members, Hizbut Tahrir has never given an inch to its oppressors. It has not changed its name. It has not diluted its ideas, nor has it compromised on its method to re-establish the Khilafah. A method it has solely derived from the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the Seerah of our Prophet wasallam. A method it believes is Hukum Shari. On principles, we do not take part in secular politics. On principles, we do not seek positions in secular governments. On principles, we do not rub shoulders with our oppressors. We do not take selfies with the ones who bomb us. On principles, we believe all of this is haram. On principles, we do not flatter the tyrant Muslim rulers. On principles, we do not shake their hands. On principles, we do not push their agenda. On on principles, we speak the haq even if it is at the consequence of the hizb or the individual. On principles, we speak the haq even if it is not popular. On principles, we do not change normative ideas of Islam. On principles, we do not do this if it's for political expediency or for if it conforms to the environment that we live in. On principles, we do not follow the agenda of the West. On principles, we do not align with liberals. On principles, we do not align with the Republicans or the, or the right-wing agenda. On principles, we do not reform Islam to fit modernity, to fit secularism, to fit liberalism. On principles, we do not dilute this idea of the Khilafah. We do not dilute the ideas of Jihad. On principles, we do not dilute Amr bin Ma'roof in Nahyan in Munkar. On principles, we do not compromise on hijab. We do not compromise on the, 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 the definition of marriage. On principles, we want the hudud applied, and so on. Being principled, being principled is to follow the deen in its totality. On principles is to follow the deen in its totality with understanding the relevant adillah. On principles, it is to be consistent. It is to be uncompromising. It is to be firm on your deen. It is to obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is to obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He says, وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا بِآيَاتِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا And do not sell my verses for a small price. So today, today what we have shown you is a blueprint of our vision for a new future for this ummah and the world in general. Our vision is for these ideas to become tangible, to become practical, so that they can change the lives of humanity. Hence, it is imperative to view Islam from its own epistemology, from its own worldview. Often certain scholars, certain thinkers, certain movements are involved in fitting, in molding Islam into modernity to fit Western sensitivities and easing, and easing our existence in Western lands. The vision is limited. It is limited to finding a comfortable, a comfortable, secure presence in the secular West when, where, where we are so-called free to practice our religion and are accepted. Any serious inquiry on this issue will reveal that such freedom and such acceptance is just a fallacy. Of course, of 
course, we have specific issues to deal with as a minority in the West, but such a minority thinking and apolitical, localized Islam is not the way of our Prophet Our beloved Prophet and a small group of Muslims in Mecca were a minority. However, from the very beginning, Rasul challenged the status quo, called for the uprooting of the current system that he was born in and replacing it with a bold new vision a vision of global power where he will conquer the Romans and the Persians. It was a bold, principled position and vision indeed. Hence, we need to broaden our horizons as well. What is required is to adopt the Islamic worldview with a vision for the future that seeks to dismantle the darkness of secularism, the darkness of capitalism, the darkness of kufr ideas and enlighten and enlighten the world with the rule of Islam, with the establishment of the Khilafah. The Ummah has lived without the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 101 Hijri years since the abolishment of the Khilafah. It has suffered nothing but humiliation, oppression, occupation, corruption, wars, disunity, colonization, and sheer brutality against its body. So here today, we presented a global Islamic political party dedicated to reviving the Ummah and resuming the Islamic way of life. A global party in 40 different countries from America to all the way in Australia with ideological consistency, with persistence against persecution and sheer determination and the willpower to attain its goal. Despite the persecution, Despite the media blackout it suffers, it is able to mobilize across the globe. For example, in 2007, during our annual Rajab campaign in Indonesia, 100,000 attendees filled the soccer stadium in Jakarta, majority of whom were women. Last year, for the 100 Hijri year anniversary of the fall of the Khilafah, Hizbut Tahrir carried a global campaign across America, all the way down to Australia, from Uzbekistan to East Africa, and even across Afghanistan, to re-emphasize, to re-emphasize, this is not mere sloganeering for Khilafah. Rather, our work seeks to dismantle the current systems in place, and in, 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 especially in the Muslim world, and offer the practical solutions to our problems today. In the American context, Hezbo Tahrir has taken uncompromising principled stances on several issues affecting the Ummah here in America. Especially, especially after 9-11 when many took an abrupt U-turn on vital issues of the Ummah. From warning the Muslim community on the dangers of political participation, counter-violent extremism programs, war and terror narratives, identity politics, and even on matters related to secularization of the Saqidah, on American Islam, and fiqh issues like moon sighting and minority fiqh, the Hizb has been consistently involved in the affairs of this Ummah, despite the hurdles that are placed in front of it. 
It has not aligned itself with either a liberal or a right-wing agenda, nor has it played into the good Muslim or bad Muslim narratives. It has held bold Islamic principles and opinions on such issues even when they were unpopular without compromise for decades. It has been ahead of its time. It has been ahead of its curve. It has done so without seeking any worldly accolades, not even a pat on the back. Rather, it is done only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, only for the sake of this ummah. Hizb tahrir has been at the forefront of this effort. It has been at the forefront of this effort and credit needs to be given to it for uplifting the discourse in the Muslim mind to the objective of re-establishing the Khilafah. Even its harshest critic, Zainu Baran, had to concede this point. He, she says, quote, His Tahrir's greatest achievement to date is that it has shifted terms of debate within the Muslim world. Until a few years ago, most Islamic groups considered the notion of establishing a new Khilafah, a new Caliphate, a utopian goal. Now, an increasing number of people considered it as a serious objective. After decades of stressing the existence and the unity of a global Ummah, Hizb tahrir can take pride in, growing, in the growing feeling among Muslims that their primary identity stems from and their primary loyalty is owed to their religion rather than their race, their ethnicity or nationality." End quote. So it is the, the establishment of the Khilafah. It is an idea whose time has come. Patrick Buchanan, he says, quote, Islam survived two centuries of defeats and humiliations of the Ottoman Empire and Atatürk's ab abolition of the Khilafah. It endured generations of Western rule. It outlasted pro-Western monarchs in Egypt, in Iraq, in Libya, in Ethiopia, and in Iran. Islam easily fended off communism, survived the rout of Nasserism in 1967, and was proven more enduring than the nationalism of Arafat or Saddam. Now, now it is resisting the world's last superpower. If the Islamic rule is an idea taking hold among the Islamic masses, how does even the best army on the earth stop it? The Khilafah is among the fundamentals of Islam. It is not extremist. Rather, it is normative Islam. The re-establishment of the Khilafah is an obligation, it is a fard upon us all. Whether you join the effort, or you sit on the sidelines, or you resist this idea, know very well that it will be established with you or without you. The question is, the question is then, where are you on this path? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu astajibu lillahi, astajibu lillahi wa rasoolihi idha da'akum lima yuhyikum. O you who believe, O you who believe, respond to Allah and His Messenger, respond to His call, because that gives you life. Islam and the implementation of Islam is that what gives us life, ya ummah. So look around you. Look around you. Do you not see the pain and the anguish of this ummah? Look around you. When you open the news, do you not hear the screams and the cries of our women and children? 
Look around you. Do you not hear about the rape of our women in India, the sterilization of women in China? Do you not hear the gang rape that happens in these countries? Do you not feel anguish? Do you not feel the agony this ummah is going through? Do you not wake up and think about this ummah? For how long, my brothers and sisters? For how long will this continue? For how long can the, the, the eyes cry? For how long can the heart bear this pain? Ya Ummah, what is the solution? If not the re-establishment of the Khilafah, we have tried everything and nothing has worked. It is the solution. Is the solution is the only solution given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the re-establishment of the Khilafah, the application of his deen. So join, join the effort. Work with Hizb tahrir for this cause. A, a party who has not compromised an inch, who has stood on principles from its inception, who has not unwavered in this call, who has statesmen, who has politicians, who have visionaries, for a new world, a new order, a new Khilafah Rashida on a method that it has not compromised on and the method So finally, remember, remember the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Remember this call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Remember his promise when he says Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu in tansurullaha yansurukum wa yuthabbit aqdamakum Oh you who have believed, support Allah he will support you and he will plant your firm and plant your feet firmly. Wahri Dawana and Alhamdulillah Hirabilarameen. Zakumullahu Kara. Now walaikum Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.